Hello and welcome to Cannabis Nation, where we help guide you through the wonderful and complex world of cannabis by shedding light on your most burning questions and darkest desires. We are your hosts, Susan. And I'm Nick. And this is episode 24. Yeah, baby. We're going to get some more dabs from the store. All about concentrates. That's what we're talking today. Yeah. We're going to, Professor Potnick's going to be here with us and we're going to do a classification station class. We're going to call it Concentrate Breakdown. All right. Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of different types and Mm -hmm. lots of different things to choose from and how to pick those out and how not to pick those out is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Make it a little easier when you see that wall of concentrates with all those different crazy names and figure out, you know, what that actually is. What does that mean? All right. But. First, we're going to talk about the PACT Act and what it is and what its history is and recent amendments therein. Yeah, they're going to have some pretty big effects, especially on the vaping side of the cannabis industry. Amen, unfortunately. And then we're going to do a review. Yes, Yay. yes, it's been a while, but it should be a great time. Yeah, we're going to do an oleum mimosa and it's a live resin. And we're going to tell you what that means. <laughs> So let's get into it. We're going to talk about the PACT Act. All right. Now, that's hard to say 10 times fast. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to try to get through it just the few times I have to say it in the show here. Yeah. So <laughs> well, hold on tight. Here we go. Here we go. In the most recent COVID-19 relief bill signed into law on December 27th, 2020, Congress amended the Prevent All Cigarettes Trafficking or PACT Act to apply to e-cigarettes and all vaping products. Now, originally passed in 2009, the PACT Act amended the existing Jenkins Act of 1949, which required interstate shippers to report cigarette sales to state tobacco tax administrators in order to combat illicit sale and tax avoidance. Yes, always trying to get the money, our government. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, When it became law 60 years later, the PACT Act prohibited the use of the U.S. Postal Service to deliver cigarettes and smokeless tobacco products directly to consumers. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the act also requires anyone who sells cigarettes or smokeless tobacco to register with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and explosives, or the ATF, one of my favorite euphemisms, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the tobacco tax administrators of the states into which a shipment is made that requires sellers to file a monthly report with the state tobacco tax administrator and or other local or tribal entities that tax the sale of cigarettes. So that was a big sentence, everyone. So let yes, me just that was disseminate a lot of words. that. Let's okay? figure out what that means. So let me just disseminate that. There's tax administrators in every state. So whenever you're shipping cigarettes or anything, right, that's what this act has to do with, that you have to register with said tax administrator and the ATF. Of, of that state when you're shipping to and fro. So they okay? can track where everything is going. And right. if there is a state tax on those products, then that tax gets paid for that state correctly, right? That's correct. Now, yeah. such reports must include the name and address of the persons delivering and receiving the shipment and the brand and quantity of the cigarettes that were shipped. 
Okay. So again, this is all about tobacco because remember each state taxes tobacco differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the other reason for all this. Okay. So now remember, this is the original thing. Okay. This is the 2009, remember ni- 1949 and then the subsequent 2009. Yeah. Okay. So we're still there. Okay. So the, okay. These requirements apply to all sales of cigarettes and smokeless tobacco. All right. Okay. Between, between consumers and s- sales and between businesses. That sell to each other even. Okay. Now it further mandates that the ATF maintain a non-compliant lists, excuse me, list of persons who fail to comply with the act. Okay. Now this is kind of an interesting story. So, uh, when I was starting to smoke cigarettes, um, well, when I was 18 and I was smoking cigarettes, my, um, cousin, her, her fiance and uh, later husband, police officer was giving me shit right yeah so he would look at to see if i had a stamp on the back of on, on the bottom of my cigarettes oh yeah and that was that tax stamp huh? right and i was like well how the hell would i know if it's not there or not but he was like well if it wasn't you'd be in trouble i'm like really kevin jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of a little personal history on this now yeah. now okay now the ATF distributes the list to common carriers, UPS, uh, United States Postal Service, credit card companies, and others to help enforce the list. Meaning these people can't can't sell or buy tobacco. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they'll they'll cut them off. Right now, fast forward to here and now. Now the Pact Act amendment of 2020 is the Preventing Online Sales of E-Cigarettes to Children Act, okay? And it modifies the definition of cigarette in the PACT Act to include electronic nicotine delivery systems, or ENDS. Another euphemism is born. All right. Yeah. An ENDS product is defined as any electronic device that, through an aerosolized solution, delivers nicotine flavor and any other substance, remember that, to the user inhaling from the device. Now, this is including an e-cigarette, an e-hookah, an e-cigar, a vape pen, an advanced refillable personal vaporizer, an electronic pipe, and any component, liquid, part, or accessory of a device described above without regard to whether the component liquid part or accessory is sold separately from the device. Again, that's a lot of words, right? Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that they're covering their asses. Okay. This, this act pretty much says anything you put in your face and inhale. Yeah. <laughs> any, basically, okay. basically any okay. inhalant that uses a battery to power it. Anything. I mean, it like, uses like, a uh, battery to power it. You know, like that's the big part is that yeah. it's all electronic versions of these things. But so basically it means any battery powered device yes. that you inhale things from. And anything that you might inhale. Yeah. Okay. Or anything used with device to put the stuff in, to use, to inhale it. Yeah. Right. Anything. They have really covered their, now see, because based on this definition of ends, Zero nicotine, e-liquids, synthetic tobacco-free stuff, nicotine, 
uh, e-cigarettes. I think I just said that. Sorry. CBD, THC, and hemp vape pens, among other things, would all appear to be captured. Now, here's the deal. Now, basically, at the heart of this, this is what's important. Okay. Now, for the vape industry... The most commonly used carriers, Federal Express and the, um, the U.S. Postal Service, have recently announced that they would cease all deliveries of vapor products. What? Well, yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, FedEx and, and, and UPS, but yeah, totally. I mean, like, because the USPS, they, they said that they have the amendment that basically says, okay, we will do it only for business to business. Yeah. But uh, looks like FedEx. Yeah. They said what they're were they not doing about it. it. They're saying that uh, <clears throat> FedEx will be prohibiting electronic cigarettes, vaping liquids, and other vaping products in the FedEx Global Network as of March first, twenty twenty one. So yes, you know, yesterday. That was that was a couple months ago. So yeah. Yeah, and so then they, UPS uh, was also saying, and then UPS says effective. April 5th, 2021, they will not transport vaping products to, from, or within the United States due to the increased complexity to ship those products. Now, did you hear that? Yeah. I think they said that succinctly. Yeah. Well, they're basically just saying like, we don't want to have to deal with this at all because the amount of red tape and making sure, and also like, like, because that means they have to verify Who's selling it? Who's who it's going to? to making sure that those are good business and bid and good standing. Then they have to check with the ATF, right? And then they, they have, have to check with the tax guys, administrator, yeah. right? Everybody's everybody's got to get a cut, <laughs> and everybody's got to be informed. And there's just too much red tape. Yeah, it's just right? gonna. I mean, in the long run, it's going to be expensive because that that's you know, right? That's going to be a lot of time to verify all those things. That's hours they're paying people. That's oh, and just and, the lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah, exactly. Plus, if they fuck up, yeah, then they are in. Then the ETF is after them, and then they don't get to do business. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So that could be. Yeah, they're so, just saying fuck it. We're not going to deal with it. Right. Um. Now, what does this mean for the vaping industry? Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Without any delivery options, right? This becomes the Pact Act compliance becomes moot. They're saying many yeah. vapor business are exploring arrangements with private logistics and transportation companies, as well as expensive software solutions to help comply with the Pact Act requirements. But the outlook for many small vapor companies and online retail doesn't look good. You know. Yeah. And here we go, guys. Once again, we have an example of our government acting and making these broad, like, okay, packed yeah. out. This means this. And you heard, like, I, I read to you guys what the Pact Act says, right? And which says basically anything you inhale or use yeah. to inhale. Yeah. Electronic. Okay. <laughs> Electronically. Electronically. Yeah. Right. So... They, they make this broad statement and they don't think about how it's going to affect the industries that operate within those systems. You yeah. know what I mean? And businesses and jobs. Yeah. So I kind of want to do a little breakdown of like, okay, so for the end consumer, for, for mm-hmm. you going to the shop, buying the products, right. what does this mean? What is, yeah. Good, so yeah. one, um, and I'm going to keep it specifically to the cannabis industry because that's Perfect. what we're dealing with. Um, one, uh, batteries might all of a sudden be a lot harder to get in. That's Stores right. might run out of them yes. uh, and, and it might take some time for them to get them back That's in. 
We were already experiencing mm-hmm. that. Two, uh, depending on your state and mm-hmm. their ends taxes, yes. battery prices very likely oh, will go up yes, because all of a sudden there's a tax on there. That's right. Which will, you know, that will be put onto the cost, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be deferred that way. Go ahead. But that's the other thing, too, is we're not just talking about the vapor batteries that we're, that you're, that are selling. Exactly. We're talking about everything that has to go into vaping. So yeah. when you're talking about, like, say, for example, a vapor cartridge. That's right. Uh, the companies that fill those cartridges buy those mm-hmm. cartridges almost exclusively yes. from out of state. Yes. So it, once again, those taxes might go on there. Yep. Their supply of vapor cartridges might dwindle yep. and it might be a lot harder for them to get them. And three, the the thing that scared me the most, because um, FedEx and uh, UPS just said, we're not dealing with it. Right. We don't, we don't want to. The USPS has that business to business exception. However, if I read it, or if I heard you correctly, um, it was saying that it would only deal with registered tobacco businesses. So mm. should this go the wrong direction? Should the mm. ATF get a wild hair up their ass about yes. it and get on the USPS and, about it? And it you... might be that cannabis businesses can't even receive these products anymore because they're not registered tobacco now, products guys and ju- legally can't be. Did you guys just hear what Nick said? So here, once again, we have like a, a marijuana tax act kind of yeah. thing going into effect where it's this backdoor approach yeah. to either regulate or to make difficult business operations in that commodity. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's a tough situation because I, I do at the core of it, like it's uh, the whole thing isn't a terrible idea. Cause what you're preventing is stuff like vapocalypse. Exactly. <laughs> And and having this coming, you know, while it seems ridiculous that it's into a coronavirus relief bill, at the same time, yeah. cor- the coronavirus is a respiratory disease. Correct. Um, so, you know, I, I get that portion yes, of it. I do, too. But at the same time, like... Knee jerk, not really thought out. Exactly, and not well written. No, once like, again. they I get why they do these catch-alls, because yes. if humans can find a loophole, they, they will, will. And they will exploit the fuck out of it. Yes, they do. But Every at the same time. time, you have to realize what the bigger effects of this. Yes. And, you know, at the end of the day, because cannabis is still federally illegal, yeah. I don't think the ATF gives a flying no, fuck they about don't. cannabis businesses or how they might affect their, no, they don't. Uh, their business. So Neither does a tax administrator, no. you know, well... The one who's getting stuff from marijuana sales in their state might, though. Yes, but <laughs> I mean, even then, that tax administrator is a different tax administrator than they, you know, because we pay our taxes general. I mean, other than general sales tax, um, we pay our taxes uh, to uh, the uh, specific liquor and cannabis board. Right. And I think that that's true in pretty much every state is uh, yes, is I their agree. specific cannabis uh, um, uh, oversight state. committee mm-hmm, is who mm-hmm, they pay directly mm-hmm. to. En- so, enforcers or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But now, all of a sudden, uh, the tobacco tax administrator is getting a cut from us as well. Should we have a tobacco tax in our state? So you know? yeah, this is uh, this is going to be one to watch. It's going to be um, insidious in its way because it's not going to be. So abrupt as, as like to say, remember when the apocalypse was happening, yeah. that they just cease and desisted, desisted all sales of, you know, those commodities. Yeah. So this isn't that. So it's a little bit more well, undercover and we'll see how it affects 
Yeah, I mean, the uh, cannabis industry, and interestingly enough, tobacco too. Yeah, I don't. I, I see my. I mean, tobacco industry is a little bit different because they're already having to use. They're used to having to work within these confines because they've been subject to the Pact Act since two thousand nine. <laughs> right. So and, they're and Jenkins Act in nineteen forty. Yeah, too. yeah. So they're they're already kind of built for this and set up for this. Whereas a lot of these guys that are provided bat- batteries, cartridges. Um, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you if you take it uh, at its literal, you know, at the at the raw reading, you can't even use like a puff coat. Anything that right. is, uh, I mean, th- those are included in it. So that's what I'm saying. It's it, very inclusive. Mm-hmm. And I, seeing as this was signed in December 27th of last year, I would bet money that the majority of the people that I that our stores get batteries from. And, and get these kind of products probably have not done all this registration yet. Oh. I bet they are definitely haven't. Oh, good point. Because why would they? Why would they? Um, I We haven't, at least in uh, for our suppliers that we work with, mm-hmm. we've noticed no increase in price. Right. We haven't really noticed too much of a delay coming in. Um, and I don't know if I want to say this on mic. So let's move on. <laughs> That's called a teaser. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and should those companies not be uh, following those guidelines, then the ATF is going to smack down on them. And all of a sudden, and, and credit card companies and the USPS that, yeah, yeah, and all, yeah. like, all, they might get all their cards. Like, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous it's a game slippery. to play. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. So we thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with this in mind, because, you know, in theme with concentrates, because those certainly are the cartridges and, you yep. know, things like that. So we we want to teach you all about concentrates. There's so many different products out there in this yep. commodity. There are different commodities within this within this group. Totally. So we thought we'd break out Professor Potnick and he's going to take us down the classification station for this concentrate breakdown. Yeah. So, Professor? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the class, children. Sit down. Put on your thinking, l- caps. thinking caps and your listening ears and we're going to we're going to go down this. So, concentrates are uh, you know, they've been around for a while now, but they're one of the newer t- uh, you know, product types that mm-hmm. are 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 popular uh, in the cannabis industry. Um, so what we're going to do, like Susan was saying, is giving you a breakdown of what they are and then all the different names and, and, and the differences between them. So you can make a little bit more of an informed decision mm-hmm. when you're buying your concentrate products. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what are my, what are concentrates? They are concentrated forms of different cannabinoids and terpenes that come from the marijuana plant. Now we've talked about both cannabinoids and terpenes before, so I'm not going to go super into depth about what those are. Right. Check out our old episodes if you do need a lesson. Took the words yep. right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but there are various ways to do this. Some use solvents that essentially dissolve most of the plant material mm-hmm. or or break down those cannabinoids and uh, terpenes and, so that you can concentrate them down further. Uh, other methods are solventless, uh, which we'll get into what kind of different methods those include, uh, which are generally, you know, uh, trying to get those crystals. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to start off there. I, there's kind of two different ways that 
concentrates are named. I actually would say three. Uh, you have ones that are named by their extraction method. You have ones that are named by their consistency. Um, and then ones that are kind of named via some other process that goes in, not the actual extraction method itself, but maybe something that has that uh, is part of that or was done after that. Um, so first of all, uh, we have uh, ones named by their extraction method. So I'm going to start with uh, the common solvents and kind of go through that list. Yes. Uh, so you have alcohol extracts are uh, are a pretty common one. Uh, and you have two main types within alcohol extracts that are common. You might see an RSO mm -hmm. or a full extract cannabis oil is another uh, another name for that. Um, but those are essentially they're an alcohol extract that they then uh, activate uh, via heat in order to make them uh, viable. Well, make them actually, uh, yeah, viable to be used both. You can still smoke it, but you can also eat it. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's activated. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, activated that THC. Um, RSO uh, specifically has been touted for a very long time for yes. its curative properties, especially with association with counter or cancer. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I have Counters are a problem, counter, especially yeah. if you encounter someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But RSO stands for Rick Simpson oil. So it was discovered by or kind of invented, quote unquote, by uh, Rick Simpson, who was a Canadian farmer who originally used it to cure his own skin cancer. Right. Um, With great success. Yes. Yes. It is, you know, all anecdotal. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to say that. But um, but yeah. Uh, so then you have uh, EHO or ethanol hash oil. Uh, which is going to be a non-activated version. It's a little bit different, but they do a similar extraction process using the uh, high-grade, usually, ethanol to uh, extract the cannabinoids and terpenes out. Then, of course, like we'll talk about over and over again going out through this, they purge that solvent, that alcohol, mm -hmm. off. Um, and how do they do that? So, uh, often there are two different uh, uh, kind of port parts to the purging process uh one you have a uh, vacuum so mm -hmm. they essentially create a very low pressure uh, uh environment so that that alcohol uh will evaporate a lot quicker to fill the space um and then they off gas that ah. um then you have also of course using uh some amount of heat mm -hmm. um now okay. so rso uses high heat, heat? Mm -hmm. that's what causes the um the activation uh, if it's not going to be an RSO or a full extract cannabino uh, cannabis oil um, intended for edible use, then generally they will use a lower heat for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Some some of the THC will still get activated throughout that process, but much less of it will, and it will retain a lot higher terpene content because mm -hmm. with high will, heat, the, yeah. the terpenes also yeah, will off gas. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so an EHO product is a product that you would generally dab. Um, mm -hmm. uh, versus an RSO or uh, a full extract cannabis oil, those are going to be uh, ones that usually are designed more for edible use. Absolutely. Um, if you're in a recreational market, every concentrate has a limit to how much residual, residual solvent it can have less that left in it. 
and that limit is supposed to be based on what is healthy to inhale. Mm. Um, of course, if you are using it edibly, you can have a lot more alcohol in there and it would be completely safe. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are getting in a medical market that doesn't have uh, uh, testing regulations necessarily, or if you are getting it black market, I would not smoke an no. RSO or a full extract cannabis oil because no. it's highly likely that it's going to have a high amount of residual solvent. Yes. And inhaling alcohol is bad for you. Bad. Um, yes. Otherwise, yeah. uh, if you're buying it on a legal market, it's generally going to be safe to smoke. I think Susher, Dr. Susher from the uh, from our Vapocalypse episode would have something to say about you inha inhaling a bunch of alcohol too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so you got to be careful with that. Yeah. So if you see EHO, if you see RSO or full extract cannabis oil, Don't FECO, um, well, you can smoke EHO. EHO is safe to smoke because that's usually designed for dabbing. Okay. Um, but the ones that are designed for eating, be a little bit careful unless, like I said, you're on, you are buying it in a market where there are testing regulations for concentrates, then they must test below a certain parts per million to be a smokable product. Right. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along. Uh, we have BHO and PHO. These are the most common um, extraction methods for cannabis. Now, what that stands for, butane hash oil and propane hash mm -hmm. oil. Uh, butane and propane are very common solvents yes. uh, that are used uh, that are very good at extracting cannabinoids and terpenoids from the plant. And I think probably for from my experience, probably the most used solvents. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely the most common solvents. Um, if I if I'm if I remember correctly, I believe that uh, butane has a little bit higher affinity for cannabinoids, whereas propane has a little bit higher affinity for terpenes. So sometimes they'll do a little bit of both, um, but those are the most common ones. Butane's definitely the the top most mm -hmm. used. Mm -hmm. um, so they go through a very similar process like EHO, um, where they uh, you have the butane is run through the plant or the propane is run through the plant where it can grab all those cannabinoids and terpenes, and then you put it through a uh, purging process with low pressure and often often kind of a combination of low pressure and heat, heat um, in order to uh, get rid of that solvent while still trying to retain as many cannabinoids and terpenes as you possibly mm -hmm. can. Mm -hmm. Um, low and slow yep, is the way to go. Definitely is. Uh, next you have CO2, um, extractions, which might be confusing to some cause you're like CO2, the carbon dioxide. That's what I breathe out. How does that extract from, <laughs> uh, you know, cannabinoids from, from the plant? Well, it requires very, very, very expensive machinery, yeah. um, and a very, uh, generally, uh, a very, high pressure system mm -hmm. so basically that co2 is compressed down into liquid form that's right and then run through that's not cheap yeah exactly and then use much like butane or propane uh in a closed loop system in order to extract those cannabinoids out um now the positive side is that because it is using carbon dioxide the purging process is so much easier because as soon as it's exposed to your regular atmospheric pressure 
that's all going to turn immediately right. into oxygen or right. into in into you gas. know into gas and and go off into the now professor just mm-hmm. really let's clarify because you said a closed loop system so i think we need to define what that is please yes so a closed loop system is uh i mean even with bho and a lot of eho um stuff like that people are generally using closed loop systems now because they're much safer but essentially it's a complete self-contained um, uh, unit that uh, a machine that that does this extraction process for you, and uh, separates the majority of uh, the concentrate with uh, the butane as well as the plant plant matter. But the whole point of it is that it retains a lot of the solvent used, um, and doesn't mm-hmm. just let it off gas into right. the atmosphere. Right. Because traditional original methods of making BHO and PHO, mm-hmm. what people would do essentially. Blow up their garages. No yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. I mean, you definitely, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, but you would have uh, basically a big glass tube that you would stuff full of weed, and then you'd take a can of butane like you'd buy at the freaking gas station <laughs> and just Jesus spray it down what? that tube um, <laughs> and collect what came out the bottom <sighs> um, and then let it <laughs> off gas. So, right. of course... Uh, if you're doing this indoor, you're filling that room with right. very highly explosive gas. Vapors, thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't make you pass out, it right. very likely will explode with yeah. just the tiniest bit of a spark. Um, so yeah, these closed loop systems are much safer. They don't off gas into the atmosphere of your room, especially right. because it requires, like, you know, uh, especially when we're talking about legal cannabis, mm. um, it's required to be done in a licensed indoor facility that's safe, yeah, safe in a yep. lab that's, yeah, that's built for this stuff. So these closed loop systems are much, are pretty much exclusively used for the most part. Right. So, and then getting back to the CO2, because mm-hmm. thank you for defining the closed loop, because I think that was important to talk about. So when, when, when you're doing it with CO2, you don't have a big flush or, or you don't have to use a lot of high heat, correct? Exactly. Or low heat even because that just off. Yeah. That CO2 is going to, yeah. Like I said, once it's exposed to regular atmospheric pressure again, right. it's going to just instantly off gas. Now, it, now what is known by, um subcritical and supercritical yeah so uh uh super critical uh means that it is at uh it's kind of past it's hard to explain because it's a scientific term but it basically means that they put enough heat and pressure uh onto this co2 that it goes past its normal limits of what it would be as you know a gas form um so uh super uh, super critical means it's under an extreme amount of heat and pressure Uh so it's very hot which would generally you think okay that's going to make it be a gas but then they put it under enough pressure it turns it into a liquid where it turns into a liquid Mm -hmm. liquid even though it's very it's still very hot so it's it uh puts it in this state of matter where it's, you know, it's not behaving the way it should. Right. You know? um, but, but that's, that's what super critical is. And what does um, that do? So that makes it uh, a lot better at extracting. Ah. Uh, it pulls a lot more of the cannabinoids out. Okay. Specifically. Now, subcritical. Less terpenes, more terpenes lost, but more cannabinoids gained. Correct? Exactly. Okay. Um, so subcritical is going to be kind of the opposite or not the opposite necessarily, but they're not putting it under that high heat and pressure to make it go, liquid they're they're still uh 
liquefying it, mm-hmm. um, but under more normal means. Um, so subcritical usually retains a lot higher terpene Terpenes. content. Gotcha. Um, and a lot of people that do CO2 will often do a mix of both methods. Oh. They'll do a subcritical run first, then a supercritical run or something like oh, that. Oh, if they want to get a little bit more cannabinoid exactly. out of Exactly. So, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Similar to what how a lot of people will use both betaine and propane in their extraction okay. method in order to kind of because get one gets those different one more spe- of parts other. of the spectrum. Gotcha. Yes. Um, now, this is something that's been fascinating me mm-hmm. and on the floor, and that we can have a solventless dabs yes not just bubble hash or keef okay so please explain how that happens yeah so oh i'm sorry could you tell us what solventless means first please okay of course so solventless means they don't use a solvent to extract so a solvent like alcohol butane propane uh co2 um and there and there's a whole bunch of other uh different solvents that can be used those are just by far the most common ones Uh um uh, just because they, they generally work the best and are the most cost effective. Right. Um, but solventless means that you're not using any solvent. So it's no harsh chemicals, nothing that's actually like, um, breaking things down on a molecular level, level. Or, okay. uh, level. You're simply using, um, uh, physical methods uh-huh. in order to separate the cannabinoids, not chemical methods. Gotcha. Um, so you have, uh, like you were saying, we have Keef. Bubble hash, you got hash or hashish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and rosin are your general different types of uh, solventless concentrates. Okay. Uh, so starting with keef, a lot of people know what keef is, mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, a lot of grinders these days have keef catchers in them. Or you have, you know, some, they're not as common nowadays, but you'd have knock boxes essentially where it was like a box with a screen in it that you'd put your weed in. Yeah. Um, and just to store your weed and then, you know, keef would fall through to the bottom and you could, you know, harvest that for when you want to spice up a bowl. Okay. Um, but, but wouldn't it be, never mind, go ahead. Well, yeah. that's a whole, we've had that conversation. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, most methods for collecting keef uh, are, uh, use a screen that's got a pretty wide mesh uh, in the long run of, of what kind of like screen meshes we're going to be talking, talking about mm-hmm. going forward. So you get a lot of plant matter in there. Um, it's very, it's just slightly concentrating. So, you know, you're, while you're, if your weed is, generally around 15 to 20 percent thc maybe a little higher maybe a little bit lower sometimes um your keef might be double that hmm. uh p- potency wise maybe maybe 30 to 40 uh percent thc and that's because what keef is right is yeah. the hairs the the trichomes mm-hmm. the, those crystals that you see those are the trichomes where yep. the terpenes exist you know, and those hairs. And then, you know, you do have some fine, you know, uh, bud matter itself. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Because like I said, that, that screen isn't super fine. So mm-hmm. um, as the weed gets agitated, you know, in your grinder or whatever situation it is, um, you know, some little pieces of plant matter are going to fall through. Sure. So it's partially concentrating. You know, you're getting more of those trichomes uh, compared to plant matter than your bud is. Right. Um, but it's not going to be super concentrated like the other extraction methods we've been talking about are going to generally yield anywhere between 60 and 90% THC for the most part. Wow. And that's significant. Yeah. Yeah, But, and what I meant to say about the Keef thing and the Keef catchers is Nick and I have had this conversation with you before. 
in previous episodes like why are we separating that from our marijuana and yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. sorry i don't get it <laughs> yeah it, it's uh the, the mentality of it is kind of ridiculous because it's like uh you know um i want every... i guess it, it's like a savings account i you guess know? yeah it's like yeah. you put a you put a little bit of each paycheck away yeah that's true and then when you need to buy that big ticket item you've got it you've got it so well, yeah and lots so, of people like to make medleys and different yeah. terpene stuff like yeah. that so and I you can kind of do that a lot with keef too yeah. it's easy to coat bud and stuff i personally prefer i always take the the screen portion of my four-piece grinder out mm -hmm. and just uh put it straight to the bottom because i like to the, i like, all I like the crystals to stay with the bud like for the most part stuff. me too i yeah. like that stuff yeah so now okay moving along moving along uh bubble hash yeah. is basically a very refined keef and there are yeah. a couple ways that they do this but it generally uh requires a set of different uh, screens that you will filter the matter through uh, in order to uh, get different concentrations and different um, amounts of trichomes and mm -hmm. amounts. Uh, no, I thought water was used in making bubble hash. So there are two methods. You have ice water uh -huh. and dry ice. Oh. Um, so ice water is the more common method for sure. Um and uh, essentially, uh, most people will use like what's basically like a little cannabis washing machine uh -huh. uh, where they will put in the bud uh, with ice water into this little machine that's full of water and it jostles it oh. um, uh, back and forth, kind of like a top load washing machine. Sure. Um, uh, and then it has a drain tube that you will, uh, after jostling it for a certain amount of time, you will drain that water out into a series of bags with screens at the bottom that have a various, uh, um, uh, -huh, uh -huh. aperture sizes. Yeah. Lines. Yeah. What, uh, what I, I think it's called talking. like lines per inch is how gotcha. they measure yeah, it yeah, usually. Yeah, I, I or micron. Micron. Oh, that's is the, what it uh, is. This different size of the screens. Yes. Um, so basically what that's doing is one, why ice? Well, the ice and getting bud cold makes those trichomes a lot more brittle. Right. Um, if, as you've probably noticed, especially if you're talking about using like, like a shatter type concentrate, which we'll get more into later, uh -huh. I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, if it's a little bit warmer, it's going to be meltier. If it's colder, it's going to be harder and more brittle. So um, when you are putting in the ice water, you're essentially making those trichomes harder and more brittle. Uh, and then when you're jostling it, you're knocking them separating it essentially from the plant matter oh. um uh so those trichomes will block off a uh, break off and then once you're going through the filters um when they're through the screens you know your top screen is going to catch a lot of the big plant matter sure. um and uh and let a lot of the trichomes through but essentially your filters will get smaller and smaller mm -hmm. and smaller um until you uh get to the point where only the trichomes can get through the pre previous one pretty much. Um, and anything else that might be even smaller than the trichomes right. gets filtered through to the next one. So there's a perfect kind of a... Uh, oh, I see. There's like a window. A perfect exactly. One. Okay. And when you are buying, it's not as common nowadays for it to be graded this way. But I, I mean, especially back at least in Washington State's medical days... Um, there was kind of a grading system for bubble really? hash and it was a star one through five stars. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that was dic dictated by which, uh, uh, which bag it, it came out oh, of. No kidding. Exactly. So your lower star, your one star stuff 
is going to be something that you do you you only smoke. You do not want to even try to dab it. There's a lot of plant matter in sure, there. Sure, sure. All the way up to your five star, which is or also called pure melt. Uh-huh. Um because when you smoke it or can even dab it, it will purely melt and not burn. Wow. Um because it's all trichomes, trichomes. no plant matter. Wow. Yeah. Um so uh the um Dry ice method is somewhat similar, but essentially you're going to take your top bag, which would generally uh, uh, have what would you would use to catch all the bigger plant matter when you're doing the ice method way or ice hash ice water method way, um, and then you put all your weed in there with the dry ice, and then you just kind of shake it, mm-hmm. um, so the dry ice still cools de- cools down the uh, trichomes. the trichomes and makes them brittle, so they break through and go down to the next bag, and you kind of just like. Shake and jostle it that way. Sure. Um, generally, um, as far as I'm aware, I believe that the dry ice method usually is a little bit lower yield. But the upside is that when you do the ice water method, of course, once you've collected all that, it's super wet. Right. You got to dry it off. Yeah, exactly. You got to dry it off, which it can be hard to do because you, especially if you're going for like a five star quality. Sure, sure. Um, you Anything don't want to go wrong with that moisture. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You, you got to thin it out real, you know, spread it out real thin. Sure. You got to have plenty of airflow, but it's also a powder. So you, you can't, can't have, have too, too much, much airflow. airflow. You know, you want to have the lowest possible temperature where the water will still evaporate off. So you're right. retaining your terpenes. Sure. Um, and then a lot of people, like, depending on when the weed was uh, harvested and if it went through a curing process mm-hmm. or not, sometimes a lot of people will cure their uh, ha- bubble hash after uh, after it's already separated sometimes, sure. too. So there's a, with the ice water method, you generally get more out of it, but it is uh, a longer process, yeah, because of, right. especially with that drying process, right. compared to your dry, dry ice. ice method where it's ready to go as soon as you're done. Right. Now, what happens with a with? I mean, I know we know what bubble hash, and then we know what hash is. Mm-hmm. Now, hash is another solventless deal. Yes. So hash or uh, hashish, you know, is your pretty much your oldest form mm-hmm. uh, of of smoked cannabis, as far as we're Concentrate, aware. Concentrate, right? I mean, uh, many. It's widely believed that a lot of cultures smoked hash before they actually smoked the plant. Oh, right. Um, because a lot of the original indigenous uh, species of cannabis were so low THC that uh, yes. only the uh, compounded resin would actually so be get... strong enough to get you high. Right. Um, now, this is, I got to just interrupt you and I got to tell you about how I first heard about hash and how it was made. That, I don't know if this is true or not, mm-hmm. that um, they used to wrap themselves in gauze. Yeah. And then run naked through the fields. <laughs> and then press the gauze yeah. with heated bricks. Yeah. To get the re- to get the resin out and then dry that and keep that pressed in bricks as well like through yeah. each like scraping or getting off of that hashish. Yeah. And then they'd put it in and bricks. And so that's another reason why they call it bricks. Is this mm-hmm. true? Uh I haven't heard that specifically. Uh, as to why they call it bricks. I figured it was just because of the shape that they usually shipped it in. Right. Um, but um, the uh, as far as collecting cannabinoids or collecting the resin by literally physical contact with the plant, yeah. with your hands and, and body and whatnot, yeah. that is definitely an old school 
uh, traditional method, especially I think that was the method that was originated in, in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, well, Afghanistan and India, right? Um, was a very common method. Uh-huh. You know, they'd at least run their hands along all the plants, right? And then you know, rub their hands together until they had these big old right. hash balls. Now you know me. I have a I. They might the our audience might not know, but I have a propensity to get naked and drop a hat. So I this is like right up my freaking alley. So you want me to wrap myself in gauze and run naked through the I'm in. Yep. Okay, you don't even have to ask me twice. As we said in previous episodes, I'd love to come to your party. What should I bring? <laughs> 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 oh my god sorry. yeah sorry. sorry i digress go ahead nick <laughs> yeah yeah so uh Professor. so yeah that's your yeah that's your traditional method and a lot of times they would use um uh uh no that so okay let me back up that's your general that's your your old old way of making it um right now uh methods that especially were used like with moroccan hash mm-hmm. um actually are closer to like a bubble hash or, or well keef actually comes f- i believe from the moroccan word for hash oh. um but essentially um uh what they would do is they would take uh take their cannabis um take uh they would have a big old bowl and get two pairs of essentially pantyhose stretch one <laughs> Yep. Stretch one over the bowl, uh, put the weed down in a layer, stretch another one over top, and then they take a couple sticks and just beat it. Uh, so, so this we the... have DuPont to thank for then, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they used other types of cloth long before DuPont was around. Like silk, maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. something like that. So Nowadays, apparently, they, they use it? Yeah, so they, they have this cannabis layered in between two pieces of pieces of fabric that are pulled tight over this bowl uh-huh. and take a couple sticks and beat it yeah. so that those trichomes will separate and fall through and collect in the bowl. Sure. Um, uh, and then they put it through a heat and pressure process oh. in order to press it into the hashish. Bricks. Exactly. Now, I promise you, folks, next episode, I'm going to have an update on this brick and uh, hashish thing because yeah. uh, I think it is from pressing it in bricks. But, I, I, initially, to like pressing get, it with bricks. Yeah, to get it okay. to to get it to that. You know yeah. how dense it is. Yeah. Because remember, it's like an accumulative thing. Hash isn't created from one episode, right? It's usually you know those those pieces are a combination of accumulative. Yeah. Of different it, it, batches. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, early on they weren't even you know. They yeah, it wasn't necessarily like they were they didn't weren't like oh we're gonna combine this strain and this strain they didn't really no it was, no, it was no, no, no 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 bud that they were no but yeah you didn't get enough hash to like get a big amount of hash just out of one process it was like uh, like oh yeah this is the third this this is the third batch and we're pressing it together yeah is kind of what I understood it to be so I'm gonna get an answer on that but we'll just discuss that. Next episode yeah. on the brick. Yeah, I mean, I'm of course that just it, it it's just gonna be how big their field of cannabis is. That's right. Because <gasps> if they have a big old field of cannabis, then they can make enough from one harvest. Instead of it's field of dreams, then yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Now, so next on our uh, docket is station. yes for our solvent list is rosin, which is one of yes. the one of the. Uh, Newer popular uh, types of yeah. Now this is what I didn't understand. Yeah, like how you can get a dab like that. 
from a solventless extract. So please do explain. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, there, uh, you know, theoretically you can dab like a five star bubble hash. Right. Um, but even then you don't necessarily, it's still going to leave some residue because those trichomes, uh, have essentially a wax layer on mm. the outside of them that is keeping their shape and, ah. and, and containing all the, the cannabinoids. Yeah, the cannabinoids and terpenes that are within that oh, trichomes. Yes. Um, so you're still going to have some waxes and stuff that are going to end up uh, that that will burn in your dabbing process. It's very very little, but uh, so rosin was the uh, solution to that because what rosin uh, is is using heat and pressure to extract uh, the cannabinoids and terpenes from the bud. Right. Um, now you have two, you have flower rosin and you have hash rosin. Mm. Flower rosin is, and once again, they're almost always, you're going to have a bag that you put the product in that has, um, a very, uh, uh, low micron count for the, uh -huh. it's basically uh -huh. a screen bag, but low, low micron count so that you're just basically squeezing things, um, out of it, but limiting what can actually fit through sure. that screen. Sure. So. Uh, doing flower rosin, of course, is you have your flower in that bag, you're going to put heat and pressure on it. To, so those, uh, cannabinoids and, uh, terpenes liquefy and then are squeezed out uh -huh. of, through that bag, uh, onto, you know, your, usually they, they're using wax paper to collect. Sure. Um, uh, that is a less popular, uh, type nowadays than hash rosin is generally the most common way they're doing it. And what is that? So hash rosin is when they make bubble hash first. Right. And then they put that bubble hash in those micron bags and then squeeze it uh, with heat, heat and pressure. pressure. Um, so what that does is it causes it to liquefy and mm. then squeeze those um, uh, those terpenes and cannabinoids out while leaving those residual waxes and ah. any sort of plant matter, any unwanted uh, uh, still left in that bag. Gotcha. Exactly. So, um, that makes a fully dabbable product if it's done right. Um, and if you are using the right amount of heat and pressure, uh, it can be a very high terpene content. It can be, uh, and cannabinoid content. And it is generally the most full spectrum yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah. all of your uh, dabbable yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, products. And that's what Susan likes. Exactly. <laughs> so you're going to have your most unique highs, the most uh, most character uh, to them, and also really awesome flavor th profiles. Once again, if they were using a good product to start sure. with, of course. And, and that's, you know, that, fire in, fire out. That's exactly right. Yep. That's it's exactly right. So now we're going to go to consistency. Yes. Because there's a whole lot there, too. Yeah. So we're going to try to break this down as yes. most succinctly as possible. Professor? Yes. So first of all, I'm going to just machine gun out some names to you that you've probably heard. Wax, crumble, shatter, sauce, dough, batter, sugar, pull and snap, diamonds, crystals, icing, rocks, butter, and many combos there within are a lot of the names that you're going to hear that specifically to describe the consistency of the final product. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be one of these specific extraction methods. However, there are things that you can do in order to alter it to get different consistencies. 
At the end of the day, though, the consistency isn't necessarily going to have a whole bunch to do with the quality of the end product. Ah. Like I said, the most important part is going to be the quality of the input product as well as, um, you know, the quality of the process. Right. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, your wax is going to be your old school, you know, all pretty much that was the first thing that became popular in concentrates was wax. Mm-hmm. And even back in the day, some people would call it earwax <laughs> as, as off putting and not appealing. I'm sorry. That, that I is. really love that earwax. Yeah. Yeah. That my jam. That was, <laughs> that was the consistency of it. And that's what it looked like. It was the color and oh, everything. So they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just smoking some earwax here. Gross. Um, crumble <laughs> is going to be your like drier, more brittle mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, concentrates that you can kind of break up uh, yeah. pretty easily. And I like those for my pens, like my electronic, you know, yeah, pens especially because those oils. can be really easy to load. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to they're not super sticky. Right. Um, you know, especially compared to like waxes and other stuff. Uh, you got shatter, which is a glassy consistency. Yes. I talked a little bit about shatter earlier. And when um, we do say shatter, we do mean shatter. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to uh, uh, be almost translucent yes. uh, and also uh, will break into small pieces very easily. Very easily. And yes. they can fly. Yeah. So you have to be careful when you break your shatters up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I mean, with, with uh, shatter-like consistency, if you get a little bit warmer, it'll start to get a little bit more pliable and a little bit more gooey versus getting it colder. It's going to be more brittle, brittle. more right. shattery. Right. Um, uh, you have your sauces. Usually a terp sauce is, mm. is, is how that I term. love those when I'm dabbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's to uh, consistency is a little bit more, for lack of a better term, saucy. Totally. Um, and that is often attributed to a higher terpene content, mm-hmm. which terpenes tend to be uh, liquid uh, in their in their base form. So right. a higher terpene content is going to yield a more liquidy now and for the most you, part and when you're dabbing a, a sauce mm-hmm. low and slow yeah. is the way to go because other than that you've just wasted the product yep i would argue that low and slow is the only way to go with any product i agree there's there's no there's nothing that you're going to dab that's going to be like yep. this is going to be better hotter no i totally agree and but definitely on your turp sauces guys. yeah you're going to okay. ha- notice the bigger dif- difference in in your hit that you're going to get when mm-hmm. you do a uh, lower temp with, you know, your terp sauces or your higher other higher terpene uh, products. style yes. products. Um, you have uh, terp doughs and terp batters, uh, which are generally kind of a uh, similar consistency. They're a little bit thicker than a sauce. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, kind of more towards the wax uh, sort of uh, uh, vibe. But, uh, but once again, a higher terpene content usually. Um, uh, and generally going to be, you know, uh, when you're using words like terp dough and terp batter, you know, it, it really, if you're using a terp in there, it's usually going to be a live resin product, which we'll get mm. into that uh, later. But higher terping content uh, generally considered to be high qual- higher quality. Um, you have your sugars, uh, which kind of have more of a little like uh, either wet or... Uh, more of a wet sugar kind of yeah. consens- consistency, yeah. um, which are going to be slightly crystalline, yeah, um, but still have a like a moisture kind and of. And I look like to these it. too. Yeah, I do totally. Um, 
pull and snap is going to be kind of similar to shatter, but just like if you got shatter kind of warmer, yeah. um, it, uh, it's going to be not quite that glassy consistency. It's going to be, you can grab a piece out and it'll kind of string out a little bit and might break off. It's like a little like taffy almost. Yeah. Not sort as, of. Yeah. Yeah. Not as, as soft as taffy, yes. but, um, but you know, kind of a in little the more snappy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you have diamonds, crystals, rocks. So we were talking about, once again, terp diamonds, terp crystals, um, rocks and sauce is another term. Yeah. These are all kind of a similar thing where, you know, it's like the next step between um, the next step up from a sugar where you have a much more significantly crystallized THC where to the point where you will actually see chunks yes. of crystalline THC. And that's about time. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the process. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, totally. Um, And we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get into that more. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, uh, often uh, either in a kind of terp sauce sort of base. Yeah. uh, Or uh, sometimes they isolate those rocks Rocks. completely. And that's, and you're left with just these crystalline chunks of THC. Look like, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then you have butters. Mm-hmm. You have butters, which is going to be kind of in that terp dough or batter kind of situation. Um, uh, usually a, some sort of, you know, kind of whipped concentrate in a way. And those are beautiful. Those yeah. are super creamy and delicious. Yeah, super I really smooth. love those too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, icing is kind of in the same um, grouping. So, you know, there was probably a better way order we could have put these in. You know, <laughs> you have your waxes and crumbles. You have your... Uh, shatters and pull and snaps. You have your doughs, batters, butters, icing. You have sugars, and then you have terp sauce. Then you have your diamonds, crystals, rocks, those kind of situations. Now, and here's a question too. Okay, so as far as consistency, which is which equates to a higher quality? Well, you can't really say. You no. know what I mean? Because again, as Nick was saying quality in quality out and also it's going to be dependent on what you're actually looking right. for because some people want the most just thc that they can possibly find i'm not one of those people and what and what commodity is usually that is the crystals yeah the crystals or you know um uh, we'll get into it uh, a little bit but like isolate or crystalline thc uh products like that some are more of a powdered form yes. stuff like that but um you have your isolates there that are going to be your, you know, your, or your distillates that are going to be your highest mm-hmm. uh, THC products. Mm-hmm. Or you, uh, some people are, uh, all they really care about is having as uh, high a terpene content as possible. Um, and that's something that you're usually going to get more from your uh, terp uh, sauces, those kind of products. Um, then you have ones that are kind of in the middle. Like your batters, doughs, uh, butters are generally going to be a really nice mix of potency and terpene content. That yes. tends to be where I sort of land yeah. usually. Yeah. Um, your diamonds, crystals, icing rocks, if they have a terp base like that, um, then they can be really good too. Um, however, I'm, I personally don't have a whole lot of love for diamonds anymore, mm. mainly because... Um, it is depending on the size of you know the crystal that you grab on your dabber and the amount because the the THC is separated so much from the terpenes, 
each dab's going to feel different and not going to be oh, a consistent point. experience. That's a good point. Yeah, your ratio of terpenes to yeah, cannabinoids is like going to be Russian, different. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a Russian roulette yeah. dabbing. Exactly. Some people like that. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> it keeps things exciting and fresh. That's a- <laughs> yeah. I'm more I'm more of the mind that I like something that I can get a consistent effect from, okay. you know. So going with your turp sauces, your doughs, batters, uh, sugars, like you were saying, because even those are a little bit more homogenized compared right. to the diamonds and crystals and rocks and sauce kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. It, it, and then if you, uh, you know, your other thing is just how easy it is to work with. Well, what kind of how, how you're using it, you know, what, there's what so many different things are that you can affect. using to, exactly. you know, get the experience to for the commodity. Yeah. And the, you can have any single one of these and have an enjoyable experience. Absolutely. From it. You know, it's just going to be it is, some are geared in different directions. It is cannabis after all. Yes. <laughs> you're going to get high. Yeah. You're going to get high. Mm-hmm. You're going to get high. <laughs> you're going to get high. All right. Now, pre and post. Post processes, please, Professor. Yes, yes. So we have uh, kind of some stuff that I was mentioning earlier um, kind of are in these pre and post processes um, that don't necessarily, uh, you know, they can be paired with some of these other descriptors. Um, So first we're going to get into uh, one of the most common terms that you're going to hear that's part of these pre or post processes is live resin. Mm. now that it can be very confusing because mm-hmm. resin, live resin, and rosin mm-hmm. two completely different things. Right. Rosin is describing the process in which it's extracted, whereas live resin is describing how the plant matter is handled before the extraction starts. Gotcha. So why is it called live resin? Mm-hmm. What they do in this process is as soon as they harvest the plant, they immediately pretty much freeze, freeze it. it. It doesn't go through any curing process. Nope. Um, so the plant is more or less alive when they extract from mm-hmm. it. What this comes out as is that as soon as the plant is harvested, it technically has the highest concentration of terpenes that it's going to have because throughout the curing process, it does, some of the terpenes do off-gas. Exactly. Um, So that's uh, where you're going to have a lot of your higher terpene concentrates are going to come from, uh, are going to be live resins. Whether they're a terp sauce or a dough or a batter or sugar or diamonds or rocks and sauce or any of those, they're going to be a live Live resin. if you right. see somebody, if you see something that just says live resin, it's not going to be describing what the consistency is. It's just telling you that this is going to be a high terpene concentrate. Right, because again, it was flash frozen, okay, and then extracted and not cured. Exactly. And then extracted. Exactly. So it's as close to the live plant mm-hmm. as you can get. Now, we're also seeing, uh, I've started seeing some companies coming out with quote unquote cured resin. Um which I it is a fairly new term to me, uh, but it makes sense. Essentially, what they're doing is, is on the opposite side. They're saying, okay, no, we're going to put the plant through a full cure uh, before we extract from it so you get the closest thing to what actually smoking the bud would be uh-huh. compared to the live resin where they're just looking for the highest amount of terpenes possible. The cured resin is like, okay, no, all these terpenes have gone through some uh, reactions, they've stabilized, mm-hmm. and this is what your bud's going to be like. Um, now, that's what I believe it is, and I've only seen one brand using that term, cured resin, so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the other thing might be that 
instead of what I'm talking about, saying that they cured the bud first, it's possible that they're actually curing the concentrate after they extract it. So they might still be doing a live resin process oh, and then curing it and then after they and extract then more it. And high CBG, CBN, all that other stuff. Yeah, right? and also your terpenes are going to go through actions, become mm. less volatile, become mm. more stable. Gotcha. Um, that kind of stuff. And generally, the only time that I've heard of people carrying concentrates was more in the uh, bubble hash and hashish sort of realm huh. I, I i haven't really heard of people doing that with uh with a, a solvent extract gotcha. um but it's very possible that that's a process um right. so i don't uh, if you start seeing that around if that becomes more of a thing right um uh we'll we'll uh we'll do a deeper dive on what that is and, and we'll give more information on it but um that those are my two best guesses as to as it's one of the two, two. you know. Now, and here's something else that uh, that gets lots of attention, especially and in the cartridge world, mm-hmm. is the distillates. Yes. Okay. So distillation, steam distillation, is a post process. So we're talking about uh, live resin is a, a pre process. Uh, distillate is a post process where after you've done your initial extraction, whether that's butane, whether it's CO2, whether it's EHO, whether it's, I mean, you could even do solventless. I don't think a lot of people would make a distillate of solventless extract because that uh, solventless extracts tend to be very labor intensive and it would completely, and it would completely (laughs) change what it is completely. So let me get into what that actually is. So, um, Steam distillation uh, is the process of essentially boiling the concentrate at the specific temperature in which the cannabinoid that you're trying to uh, distill uh, uh, boils at. Mm -hmm. They then trap that in a quote-unquote cold trap uh, uh, to basically purely concentrate that that cannabinoid. So it's most commonly done with THC. but distillation is a process that's well known and used in many different uh, many different fields. Of course, uh, hard liquor is distilled. I was going to say, isn't it an alcohol distillation too, or no? No, okay. no, because uh, what the confusion there is that alcohol is distilled, right? But essentially, what the way that works is that they boil the alcohol, uh, the boil the mix that is lower alcohol at the temperature that alcohol will evaporate off and then they recollect that alcohol in a now more condensed version. Gotcha. Leaving back the leaving the rest behind. Um but in this case in this case it's not alcohol that they're boiling off, it's THC. Right. That they're boiling off and recollecting. Okay. But you can also distill water, you know, to purify it. Sure. Um where you boil the water and collect yeah. it, you know, all yeah, this just so like to get the salt out of it. It's a very yeah. yeah, it's a very basic process, it's a well-known right. process, but it's essentially using the boiling point of THC uh-huh. in order to uh leave yourself with hopefully if you've done your process raw well almost pure thc right and that's why you see those high numbers in the distillates too. Mm-hmm. distillates are generally very high numbers um so now the downside of a uh, distillate uh is that you are going to be targeting just one aspect of what it is yeah uh so you can distill terpenes you can distill t but almost always it's going to be thc or cbd yeah. that that you're distilling and then they reintroduce terpenes and that's mm-hmm. sometimes where you get your flavored cartridges there exactly exactly but the other part of the distillation process is because you're boiling that thc it all becomes activated right so distillate often used in cartridges because is uh an activated thc is a liquid form versus the inactive 
uh, THC is a crystalline form. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why, you know, you, when you have diamonds, crystals, that kind of stuff, uh, it's all a crystalline form because it is THCA. It's the inactive version right. of THC. And you're heating it up as activating mm -hmm. it. Whereas the distillate is pre-activated. It is uh, the uh, Delta 9 THC, uh, which is liquid form in its in its nature. Um, so that's why it's often used in concentrate or in cartridges is because it's already naturally that liquid form, uh -huh. um, which makes it work really well. Sure. A lot of CO2 extracts, especially when you're talking about super critical CO2 extraction, uh -huh. uh, because it uses that heat uh, and pressure, right. uh, will also activate it. So that can that is very commonly used in cartridges, cartridges as well. As well. Yeah. Generally, what you're going to be seeing is either CO2 or distillate. It's very rare that you have other types uh, of concentrates in there. Right. But you will also have live resin cartridges too. Oh, for sure. Where they do that same extraction process. Um, and then sometimes they either combine their live resin with a distillate in yes. order to get it to the right consistency yes. um, or something like that. Um, but distillates are, like I said, they're activated. So you'll usually almost always see distillates in either a cartridge or in a uh, edible, edible format. Mm -hmm. Like our kind of used similarly to RSO, mm -hmm. but instead of RSO, which is kind of pitched as a full spectrum product, distillate is a very narrow spectrum product. That's correct. It's pretty much just THC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, so then we have, did you have a question about no, no, that before no. we moved I was, on? Yeah, because... Yeah. We're moving on to, yeah, the crystalline and the isolates is what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about that THC. Exactly, thing. exactly. So the crystalline uh, THCs and isolates. So it's going to be a THCA that they're isolating. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same process that they go through for the diamonds, crystals, uh, rocks, uh, that kind of stuff. In that, uh, like you were saying earlier, once they do that extraction, it's actually a time. It's a waiting game mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because over time, uh, after they do that extraction, that THC will basically recrystallize. Mm. Um, but now that it's not bound in its little pockets that are the trichomes, that are these right. little wax pockets right. that the, the, the plant produces, um, that THC will all bind, start binding together in much larger amounts. Uh -huh. um, so that's and crystalline, exactly, in its crystalline form. So that's one how they make your diamonds, your rocks, and sauce and stuff like that. Then they will simply, you know, you will have the crystalline uh, THC, and then the base of it, which is going to be mostly terpenes. There's going to be cannabinoids as well. You know, 100% of the THC is not going to crystallize necessarily. Um, but you separate off that kind of soupy bottom stuff right. from those uh, crystalline THCA structures. Right. Um, and much like distillate, it's going to yield pretty much pure THCA. Yeah, it's yeah. just the inactive form, not the active and form. And I will tell you, too, that's why it's so expensive. Like yeah. You'll see a gram of that for, like, you know, anywhere from, well... Anywhere, if it's so 60 to 110. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Well, I could, as you, you know, you get what you pay for in the process and, and how much time and effort and yeah. what you were originally processing to begin with. So all that plays a factor into it. So just because it's all white powder and it's kind of weird because most of it is like some white powder. It's either, yeah, a lot of it's powdery form, yeah. um, which I, I don't know. Um, if they grind the crystals yeah or... if they break the crystals up so they can separate it into grams easier or what i'm not exactly sure 
uh, what, or if there's a different process that I'm not aware of that right. actually yields that powdery stuff. That's very possible. Right. Uh, I am not an extraction expert. I have to tell you all that. I have never extracted or made any extracts myself. Uh, this is simply knowledge that I have gathered from talking to extractors and doing research myself. So I very might well get some of this wrong, but this is all general knowledge that I don't know, professor sounds like you're doing pretty good. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I just want to put a little disclaimer out there and, and let people know that, that I, uh, that there is a lot of hidden knowledge in the concentrate community as well. There's very secretive processes and And, and proprietary processes. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I don't have access to all that information and there might be, and you know, some of you listeners, you might know more than I do and that's awesome. Yes. And that's great. And I want to hear about it. So, uh, you know, if I get something wrong or if you want to add more information, hit us up on our social media or send us an email and, yeah. uh, and let's talk about it. Yes, please. Because yeah. the more we know, the more we can share. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So now let's move on to a CRC. What the heck? So this one is also very new to me, but I believe once again, this is something that I am having yeah. trouble finding a whole bunch of information on. Uh, but I, I just recently got hit hip to it and i think what crc stands for is color remediation column uh so this is a post process mm-hmm. um uh, but some people are kind of tying it into the whole extraction process so not necessarily post but mostly it's a post process and this is um something that's pretty interesting and a little scary um but essentially what they're doing is they are uh, uh running the concentrate through another column uh, that is full of like clay and silicates. Ah. And this basically acts as a filter yeah. and is supposed to filter out all the stuff that would give, you know, a lot of people consider the darker concentrates like to be chlor- lower crop. Like chlorophyll and stuff like that of the plant? Yeah. Or? So it, it, it's filtering out a lot of these uh, things that contribute to the dark color and a lot of the waxes as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um so you're going to come up with a much brighter colored um, and much either often often comes out kind of in a sugary consistency. So kind of like a, not a distillate, but you're going to get more of that plant extract. So it's not as full spectrum and you're going to like somehow filter out a lot of that plant material. Is that Exactly. Correct? Exactly. So people are taking, you know, what would generally be considered to be a lower quality, you know, dark colored, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dark color doesn't necessarily mean bad quality. No. Um, but uh, uh, generally the majority of your cheaper concentrates are generally going to be of a darker color. So there is a kind of association there that people have. So they're taking this um, dark and often, uh, you know, extracted from low quality material. Right. Uh, wax running it through this column and, and coming out with stuff that looks like a nice high quality live resin yeah um when it's not necessarily i was gonna say but it's not <laughs> no it's not it's not gonna have the terpene content um it's it just looks a lot nicer sure um and so like i said i know very little about this but it is a little bit I'm a little bit worried about it because one you're talking about you know uh, making it much harder to differentiate on the uh, buyer's end uh, between a high quality concentrate and a lower quality concentrate. Sure. Um, two, while it's running through this column, 
um, and it's taking things out, we also don't know if it's imparting things into the oil. Yeah, depending too. on what they're using. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like if, because I guarantee you that whatever would come out with the concentrate, should the concentrate take anything from this process, those are not tested for in any testing regulations. Right. Oh, like good I said, point. I believe it. I believe it's like silicates and like clay and and uh, maybe. Um, uh, I've heard of some people talking about activated charcoal. Yeah, that stuff makes like sense. that. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, it's yeah, a little, it's it's a little funky because yeah, it, it just it feels dishonest and it also, um, uh, we don't. We're not testing for those things. That we're not happen. testing for those things, and also the process itself is very new. So a lot of people are just like trying things out and sure. figuring it out for themselves, and, that, and that's what's going to happen and that's, in that's any when, new market for exactly. sure. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty concerning. It's yeah. a little bit concerning because, like I said, I mean, all of a sudden you, you can't trust um, uh, something that is nice and bright and sparkly to be a high quality, quality concentrator. For sure. Well, you never could. Never could, truly. You know, you know. But it was a good Tell. sign. It was a good sign. It was a good sign. It's like when you're picking out a tomato. Yeah. You know, you want that nice color, but yep. is that, you cut into it and it's still, ah! Yeah. Right. Not quite ripe. Yeah. So that's that's uh, something to look out for. Definitely, if you're buying stuff from a store, um uh, ask your bud tenders if they even know about this. Sure. Um, or if any companies have been saying that they are, are doing, doing this, it. it might be something to avoid at least for a while until, until we figure out what, what is, is actually happening here. Yeah. Now, and speaking of that, you know, I always tell people a lot of times, um, things when you use a lot of high heat and things in, in cannabis, you take out those terpenes. And a lot of people will reintroduce terpenes. Mm -hmm. So we had we have added flavors and terpenes and things. And so I just wanted to tell you about an experience that I had when I worked at Starbucks when they uh, years ago when they roasted with the flavored stuff. They would have to wear hazmat suits and respirators to deal with the flavorings. So I'm always very weary and leery of flavorings. Now, Professor, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So uh, when when we're talking about, like you said, uh, um, generally with pro you know uh, processes like distillation, um, if they want to, uh, you know, have some traditional cannabis flavor added back in and they want the you know uh, maybe a more unique or try to match the more uh natural strain specific high yeah. and stuff like that a lot of companies might add terpenes from external sources back into their distillate um or other products uh in fact i did recently find out a company that is uh adding terpenes to their dabs which is not super common um, but this company is doing it. Um, uh, so that's becoming a more common thing as well, but either way. Um, so if all, when it comes to adding terpenes back in, what you have to look out for is if there is a, um, a medium in which those terpenes are being held. Like glycerol or glycerin like pro or Yeah. Propylene glycol mm -hmm. or, um, 
uh, vegetable glycerin mm-hmm. are generally the two most common ones because those are things that you don't really want to be inhaling. You know, I mean, <laughs> no, um, at least Proven not to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. At least not for long term. You know, I mean, most, uh, e-liquids for nicotine, they use propylene glycol as the base of it. Um, so you gotta, you gotta be a little bit careful with those. Um, some of them will add in straight pure terpenes. Yeah. And from a, a health and use perspective, there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, because if that's what it is. If that's what it is. If they're adding in, uh, you know, pure terpenes. Um, uh, you, it's just, I have never found a product myself where adding in terpenes from external sources, even if they are adding them in the direct amounts where they're trying to match the terpene profile of a strain... I've never found a company that does it super well. So you got to be a little bit careful when you're buying products where they kind of add it in because it's generally not going to be as high of a quality product than something where they did a higher terpene extraction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also, like, especially with these cartridges, I think is important, Mm -hmm. is about the flavoring. You know, please be careful. Understand that there is no grape. I mean, they got as close as they could. When they when they made some some of the strains, but you don't have a grape flavor, you don't have a strawberry, you don't. Just be careful, okay? No, well, and I mean, once again, if um, like when you're talking about specifically flavored ones with like a super strong strawberry flavor or whatever like that, if they are, once again, if it's specifically only terpenes that are used, then it's fine. Which that is that is possible, you know. Like for example, most you, you common strawberry ice cream is flavored with terpenes, right? Um, uh, specifically, and 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 they can isolate and even manufacture these terpenes, um, which are for the most part safe products to uh, use and inhale, as long as they're not in super high concentrations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like. You know, you don't want something that's 50% terps. God, no. That's going to burn the crap, crap in your throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in high concentrations, you know, like, um, I mean, turpentine is a high terpene cleaning uh, product, <laughs> yeah. you know. You do not want to inhale that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, as long as it's not in a super high concentration, like a ridiculous high concentration, which you will feel if it is. Um, then it's it's very it's pretty safe. Now, if they're adding in flavors that are anything else than terpenes, I would be wary because I don't know what the long term health effects are, and I don't know what it is necessarily. Right. right. Um, especially when it comes to inhaling it, because it might be totally fine in food. It might it might sure. be something that's that is plenty safe to use in, sure, in sure. a food product but when you're inhaling it that's a completely different thing right and what did we say during vapocalypse when they were saying uh, the health the, the health of uh, the world the, the health department said don't inhale things it's yeah. not healthy yeah. <laughs> just don't, don't inhale, inhale breathe things. air breathe air people but anyway that being Either said way. just know what you're getting yeah. okay yeah exactly and and you know we know that this has been a lot of information yeah on this episode but there was so much to give to you on this exactly that we thought it was worth the time and energy to take to break down this stuff as succinctly as possible and trust we tried to do it succinctly and as easily to explain so you could understand because yeah. boy there's there's different rabbit holes that you can go down on yeah. all of this stuff well and like to you know so what you can take 
out of this is when I went through those three uh, sections, the extraction method section, the consistency method, and then the pre and post uh, process method, you might find a concentrate that has a word from each of those in its name. Yes. Like a quote unquote, like a live rosin batter, yeah. you know, <laughs> yep. it tells you that the bud was frozen right before it was, uh, right. You know, as soon as it was harvested, it tells you that they used heat and pressure to extract. And then that the consistency is like that of a batter. Right. So, so you can kind of use these to mix and match and figure out what they freaking mean. Yeah. They're throwing all these words at you. Yes. Um, because but, there is a lot. Yeah, yeah. On the shelf, there's a lot to disseminate. Yeah. But it's generally a combination of of the of something in these three uh, different categories. Classification. Exactly the the extraction method, the consistency, and then a pre or post process. Well, thanks, Professor, for breaking that down as of best course. as we possibly could. And now it's time for my favorite part that we've been missing out on so much is the review. The review. Now I will tell you that our review is not based on. Good to bad, uh, one to ten, but on what family member that you would like to partake this this lovely uh, cannabis experience with? Yes. So, Professor, tell them what we're doing today. So, we are smoking. We're dabbing. Dabbing. Uh, I mean, it was the concentrate episode, so that really, I mean, what else could we do, right? Yeah. Uh, but we are utilizing our Puffco Peak. Oh, the Puffco Peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is an electronic battery-powered dab rig. Yeah. Um, and it is v- pretty much the Cadillac of smoking consoles. Thank God. And it might be hard to find thanks to the Pact Act. Yeah. Might yeah. be harder <laughs> to get for sure. I mean, they just released the Puffco Pro a few months ago, and that thing has been impossible for us to get yeah. to keep in stock. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, now... Uh, just so, just like we were saying earlier, keep in mind, these things might be like flying off the shelves and then not so easy to find for lengths of time while we all try to figure out exactly how we're shipping all these That being said, we don't want to create a panic. Don't just go buy a bunch of them for no fucking reason (laughs) and make it harder for everybody else to get one. Don't don't. start filling your freaking gas cans up. Don't stop bar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My God, people. All right. Now, what are we dabbing today? So we are dabbing oleums. Uh, it is their, where is it? It is their mimosa. Yes. The, it's a live resin. Live resin. Which is the only descriptor they put on it. So that's going to tell you, of course, like we said, it's going to be a high terpene extract um, and have uh, been har- or, uh, frozen as soon as harvested. Um, Susan, how would you kind of describe the consistency of it's this one? It's definitely like a nice sugar, kind yeah. of like a drier sugar. Okay. Not so much a um, wet sugar. And I, it, it's a beautiful light color. And um, I, once again, delightful smell too. Uh, lots of nice citrus, orange, not too orangey. Lovely, a, a really light summer day, kind of almost, I would say. And um, also with the Puffco Peak, it's important to keep the cap on. We have discovered that that uh, carb cap definitely keep that in there. And um, it will vibrate when it's ready to go. Nick, did this vibrate? Uh, yeah, I mean, I okay. turned it on. I uh... 
There you go. Yeah. Um, so taking the inaugural hit, but yeah. So uh, Mimosa is a fantastic strain. It's a oh. sativa dominant hybrid, uh, known for its delicious uh, citrusy orange uh, uh, flavor profile to it. I gotta tell you, that is effing delightful. Okay. That was like a nice summer day, like a light orange blossom. Oh, yeah. It's got a floral. Oh, isn't that that wowzers? Okay. So because it's a live resin and they did that, that flash freezing, he and I, Nick and I are experiencing that high terpene. Oh, Oh. gosh. Is that delightful? Yeah. And what's nice, Nick and I like to keep things on that low and slow. So we're able to pass this back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's another. <coughs> excuse me, that's a really, a really another uh, nice thing about the uh, Puffco is that, and I swear, I mean Puffco, if you want to give us a sponsorship, <laughs> we will put we will put ads in our episode for you. Oh, but we're already doing it anyway, yeah, so you might as one. well pay yeah. us. But <laughs> yeah, I mean I've noticed that concentrates go so much further in it too. Something that would be easy to take a hot dab and just uh, blow away in one hit, um, all of a sudden you can, like like I said, we're passing it, which yeah. is such a weird thing to do for taking a dab is passing it back and forth like this. But um, but the concentrate just ha- stretches out so much further. You have this beautiful um, kind of uh, uh, range where you're starting to get the terpenes and then uh, it, it, gets, it warms up. You get more of the different cannabinoid range, um, but it, is just oh, it's blended. Yes. Now, now we're gonna get do one more dab here, Nick. Oh yeah, and I think this will be so good. Oh, Lord of Gumption, that's nice. I mean, really. Again, a quality product. Now, what you're gonna spend for this at at the shop? Well, depending on the sale, uh, if you get it on sale or not, but it's usually anywhere between 40 to 60 and a gram. And again, this is going to be one of those things you get what you pay for. Nick and I are probably going to gonna have this uh, little dab session here and uh, be good for a while just on the, the, the couple hits. I, you'll go on YouTube and you'll see all these these people doing these one gram dabs and these half gram dabs. Not necessary, okay? And you see them choke all over themselves and make messes out of themselves. Well, you know, that's not really why we're in it. Not me anyway. No. So, you know, just keep in mind that these people are going to be real embarrassed when their kids become older. That's all I'm yeah. about that. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, the it's once again like talking about those old methods of like oh you gotta cough to get off it's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah yeah no, yeah no. yeah no you don't you really don't no no that's called oxygen deprivation yeah yeah <laughs> that's called uh, too much heat and foreign matter in your lungs <laughs> it's called it's called your body being like no get that out of me get it out of me now breathe air, yeah, air. breathe air grab some more air <laughs> now. You can tell that Nick and I are already starting to feel the effects of this. Oh, yeah. It's very, very nice. And um, neither one of us coughed. No. Or hacked. And this is, again, 
the the world that you get what you pay for. Oh yeah. When you spend that extra extra, you know, coin on it, it doesn't it's not harsh. It doesn't take too much to get you there. And gosh, I'm there. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm it's, there. It, it's it's a wonderful ride. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's got to be there's something that it's just got to be said about one getting a high quality product and yeah. two using a high quality method. Amen, you know? brother. I mean, it's it's just such like such a more pleasant experience all the way around. I mean, like if. You know, it makes me think of like the first dab I ever did. Uh. And my God, was that an awful experience. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I had that situation where, you know, the guy who gave me the dab uh, uh, just got it hot as the devil's balls <laughs> and then puts this giant glob of probably half purged black market wax into the into the dab rig and i'm used to taking bong rips uh and i take a bong rip size hit off of this and just like one i am coughing and sputtering and crying and snots (laughs) coming out of my nose i'm drooling like for like like five yeah (laughs) yeah for like five minutes straight like just Uh. trying to breathe in between the sputtery coughs <laughs> it is such a bad situation and then of course as soon as i'm able to even catch my breath all of a sudden i realize i'm the highest i've ever been it and <laughs> i'm not liking it and i'm not liking it i am like okay is this going am i stuck like this <laughs> for the rest of my life uh, for the rest of my life you know i'm, I'm literally like staring at a blank wall just to keep the room from spinning you know oh. and like yeah yeah, totally. I wonder how many pesticides you inhaled that oh, day, God. too. <laughs> like I said, pesticides, probably a whole bunch of butane. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it was it was a total... I mean, what were you really high on? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Once again, was it oxygen deprivation? Yeah, yeah. Was it sure. <laughs> Was it, like, some sort of butane poisoning? Yeah, I think... Oh, yep. yeah. I think it's a combination of all of that therein. Now, um... I'm kind of like a lightweight when it comes to the dab world. Really? So you can already see I have permagrin. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm already like, my face already is like starting to hurt from yeah. slightly too much. Yeah. Because I just took like a couple big rips for this girl. Oh, but this yeah. was so smooth. It was easy no, to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Um. So yeah, super smooth, incredibly flavorful. Yeah. It definitely has that sativa dominant vibe to it where yeah. you're just happy, uplifted. It's not super heady. Yeah. But, but yeah. definitely not uh not a downer at all. It's It's just a really nice euphoric mood enhancer for sure. Now- what family member would you smoke this with? Oh my goodness. I would I would Oh gosh. Okay. Do you have a quick answer to this cuz I might need to think for a second. Okay, so this is what I'm feeling about this. Yeah. You know, it this is kind of like one of those highs where you don't want to be in a big group. No, no. Definitely I'm thinking either solo or maybe two family members max. Yeah, and I'm thinking like your favorite cousin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or that brother and sister like hiking or oh, yeah. climbing yeah, or that, kayaking. You I know think what I, mean? I think you're hanging out with my sister. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, you know? and I'm not and, and not, I'm not feeling like as much as I love my 
you know, my, as let's just, I love my parents and everything. I'm more feeling like this is more like for me anyway, like a peer. Totally. Kind of a high, you know totally. what I mean? Where you're just hanging out, yeah. you know, super and, comfortable, happy, yeah. feel good, happy, like, feel good, Could, yeah. like get the giggles and act like kind of silly, oh, totally. you know, and make up that secret word. Yeah, that's that. That's what this is. This is that secret word. This is that inside joke weed. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're gonna have inside jokes with whoever you smoke it yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, the rest of your lives, yep. there's gonna be that, like that little, that. Yeah, the vernacular or the mm-hmm. lexicon of the high or whatever it oh, is. Yeah. Now, see, now you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're hitting. You're hitting it right. I mean, as soon as the word lexicon makes it into the podcast, <laughs> then I think we've made it. Well, you know what? We could just end it right now. So, thank you for listening to Cannabis Nation. We hope this has helped shed light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cannabis Nation Podcast. This is Nick. And I'm Susan. And it's not a our secret word gonna be oh my goodness we have to have one already know, don't we? we do i think it's ivali ivali or evil eye <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's such a throwback <laughs> first episode hell yeah ivali <laughs>